How does this work? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, it's just a little bit delayed. That'll work perfect. Okay. Cool. Okay. So, the first question that I will ask everyone I come on here is what do you want your legacy to be? Like, when someone says, oh, do you remember Melanie Seiler? Like, what do you want them to say? I would say there's a couple things that I hope that somebody says once I am not here anymore. One would be that I had extreme dedication to my family. And the second would be um, generosity to others around me and our community. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so tell me a little about when you grew up, like your childhood. Let's, let's start there. Um, so I, since it was two, um, have been an extreme introvert and really like been battling with anxiety. I was diagnosed when I was two. So I've been dealing with those my whole life. Um, and that has really just, um, put me at kind of a slow growth as a young child and I didn't really start to become my true self until I left our small town and that's when I was able to flourish into somebody who I am now today so did you take anything like as a young age for the anxiety or anything like that nope never been on medication I refuse to go on my medication for it and I still do today so I've never been on anything for it yeah that's good to hear because I'm I'm one of those people that's like I don't want to take anything <laughs> if I don't have to. You know? Same. Especially if it comes from large corporations and stuff where is it really in your best interest, you know? Um, so growing up, were you had any super positive experiences? Like what was the hardships you went through? I'm talking like from your earliest memory. My, uh, I would say I was pretty lucky and I didn't have any really large hardships other than dealing with my anxiety that really put me um I don't know how to describe it the best but it made me just live underneath a rock my whole life um in sports and school with friends I didn't have friends and I still really don't have a lot of friends because I keep myself so guarded because the only other harder thing that I did went through as a child was being um, bullied. And so because of that, I still as an adult have my guard up with people because I don't trust them. So would you say the bullying um, amplified your anxiety? It could have probably, yes. But I was diagnosed so early, even before the bullying happened. So... Did did it make did the bullying like make you feel super anxious all the time? Yeah, all the time. okay. Yeah, anything would. If my day normally looked like I went to daycare and went to school and then went home, and if that schedule was ever changed, full blown panic attack. Do you think if you were never diagnosed? Like, especially not at a young age, you were never told you had anxiety. Would that have affected you, like, mentally? Like, you think, like, you knew you had anxiety, right? So say you were never told that, you had no influence at all in anxiety. You didn't even know what it was. Would, would that have affected you? Like, you think that would have made you more calm or? I don't know. I didn't actually know I had anxiety until I was an adult. Okay. Even though... My mom, our mom, knew I had anxiety. It was never talked about. And so I didn't really understand what my anxiety was until I was an adult. You think that's a good or a bad thing? Because I have, I have mixed feelings on that, you know? I think, like, using it as a placebo is a good thing at times. But as a, as a mother or a father, 
if I see this, my kids struggling, I'm going to want to explain why, what our options are and how like ways to control it almost. Does that make sense? I wish, I think looking back, it's hard to judge them of like what was right and what was wrong to help me through that. I think that I wish I would have understood it at a younger age so I could have learned to cope with it better. That's, I think, what I wish because I didn't really learn to start my coping mechanisms until I was about 16. Okay. And even then, I didn't really understand. I was a pre-teen, you know, teen and just... The hormones were flying. Yeah. Boy, great, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I didn't really start to actually develop skills that helped me until I was about 18. Okay. Okay. Uh, Well, plus we didn't have the same access you know, yeah. all the information we have out there nowadays. Absolutely. Yeah. Is, you know, at your fingertips now. <laughs> literally carry you with you every day. Yeah. Um, okay. So going through high school, um, bullying, how did your teachers, like, did they see it? Did they notice it? Did they do anything? Um, you know, I can't recall ever it becoming um like a known issue at school uh, I can't say that I ever saw a teacher do anything about it but I don't know that they even saw it right because it's not like bullying where you get punched in the face it is the manip- manipulative teenage girl that's just tearing you down with her words that's what the bullying I went through. Did you notice it more online or is it like she's straight up telling it to your face or is it Both. she telling her friends behind your back and then you hear it through a friend or whatever? Uh, to your face, behind your back, on instant messenger. <laughs> <laughs> instant messenger. <laughs> yeah. You ever had to sit at your computer to chat? Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. So I would say all three. Wow. And I can't even imagine what the kids today are going through with their technology that they have and what bullying could be happening behind those devices. So I've had a couple of conversations with some girls in my class and we were talking about like bullying and I never even noticed it in school when I was, you know, 13, 14, 15. But they were talking about so there would be one bully, right? And they would have, and everyone wanted to kind of be in that group, right? Like they were mm-hmm. like the popular yep. social status people or whatever. And the the main bully would kick one out each week, like almost on schedule. And when, if you got in the circle, it was like all happy days and you guys were best friends. And then you'd sit there and talk shit about the person that got kicked out of the group that week. Like you couldn't sit, couldn't go to lunch. They wouldn't speak to you. You would have, They would sit in the hallways during lunch because they were scared to go into the cafeteria. Like that in class, they would have to go sit with quote unquote the weird kids. I don't like to say that, yeah. but that's just kind of, you know. Yeah. But yeah, that's how it was. And so my first para job I noticed the same exact thing. There would be a group of four or five girls and there would be one sitting over there by herself. And I'm like, it's got to be the same thing happening. I didn't ask questions because it was my first day. But I was like, wow. <laughs> like this has been going on for that long. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like the same thing with the way that I got bullied. Is there was one person. We all wanted to be our friend. Sometimes you were cool. The next day, you had no reason why you weren't cool anymore. It's just crazy. Yeah. And it really tears you down as, like, a a young preteen. Like, it really screws with your head and your confidence. Like, I had zero confidence in high school. Zero. Okay, so my question is, and I ask these other girls the same thing. Um, For an upcoming teacher in specifically middle school, not to say that's me or anything, but it is. <laughs> um, what would your advice be? How can I help these young women? I would incur. I think that, oh gosh, I don't really know. But I'm trying to put myself back in those shoes and those situations. 
And if a teacher would have helped me make new friends and give me the confidence with another group of friends, I think I would have been all right. And I don't know that a teacher can do that, but if they could facilitate meeting new people in a healthy way, it might help. I I definitely think that's possible. Like we, they have like, I don't want to say team bonding, but that's kind of how it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they have kind of those things and the way you can set up your classroom. Like if I can select where I want people, like I have that ability in my own classroom because this is my classroom. You know what I mean? So I can put you wherever you want and I can put the bully wherever I want her to go. Yeah. And I have that choice. Yeah. Which I don't want to have to do that because I want to be able to teach my, um, my students like a peer, you know, I don't want to, I want them to grow up. I want them to gain life skills, not just how to solve linear equations or something like that. You know what I mean? Like I want, I want to treat them as an adult and prepare them for college or real life. Yeah. You know? So I I was curious on your take on that because the other people said, I think, I wish you would have got them in trouble. Like I wish when I was outside of the group, I was so down if you would just call them out. So a lot of times there would be favoritism for them, even to, from the teachers. Oh, wow. And they, they, if they could just see them get in trouble one time for doing something that everyone else gets in trouble for, it would make a big difference to them. Which I don't know if that's the right way to go about it. <laughs> I didn't totally agree with it, but you know, I was open to their opinions for sure. For sure. And I think that that would be a quick fix for them. They feel good in that moment watching them get in trouble, but I don't think long-term that would help them because it wouldn't build their confidence back up or, you know, solve the big problem, which is them being inside that circle. Yeah, And they really need to get themselves removed from that circle. That's what I wish I could have done. Thankfully, my big bully ended up moving schools eventually. And so my high school got better than my middle school. Middle school is definitely where the bulk of it happened. Right. That seems to be a common theme the more I ask people about it. Yep. Sixth, seventh, eighth grade. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Moving out of high school. So tell me about the transition from living at home to moving to Alaska by yourself. I'd say before that, I w- I'd rather touch on when I left for college because it kind of like leads me to Alaska. Absolutely. So I didn't want to leave home. That is where I was safe. I was an introvert. I didn't have a lot of friends. But my mo- our mom kicked me out of the house essentially. Not physically, but like packed my bags for me, applied for college for me, made me go to college. And it is the best thing she's ever done for me. Because if I had not done that, I would be the same girl I was when I was 18. And because she forced me out from my comfort zone, I was able to flourish and become who I am today. So her doing that, putting me outside my comfort zone, allowed me to open up because I had my guard down so much. It allowed me to open up my heart and my eyes to new things that I've never seen before, which led me to my husband today, which brought me to Alaska. And that transition of being in college to going to quote unquote being alone in Alaska, I was excited. I gained my confidence during those short periods in college that I was just ready, excited for life. I had no worries. What, looking back, what would you say the main factor was? Was it, because you were introverted, correct? Was it Mm -hmm. just being able like, to fend for yourself essentially to live on your own or is it meeting new people or trying new things that you didn't have the opportunity you had like in small school? I finally could just be me for the first time in my life. I had nobody judging me or making me have influence on my decision. 
because I didn't know anybody. I got to know the true purest me because I didn't have the small town looking at me. I didn't have mom and dad looking at me. I just got to be me. And I found so much joy in that and discovered my confidence through that. And it led me to really loving just depending on myself. And I've been the same ever since then. Hmm. I, I have a same sort of experience. So when I moved, I was ready. Like, I was like, I need to get the heck out of here. <laughs> like I'm tired of this little town. But for me, it wasn't about finding myself, but more of finding who I wanted to be, if that makes sense. So like I would see qualities in other people, my friends, you know, good and bad. And I'd be like, okay, I can see that, you know, I want to do that, you know, and I want, I could see my, like where I want myself to go. And I had all the freedom in the world that I could just do it, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where I'm on a podcast right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I think just you have to, even this for a year, mm-hmm. it's, it just happens like yeah. naturally almost. Yeah. That's what I always tell anybody about to graduate. The one thing you can do for yourself is leave this town, but hopefully you'll find your way back because it is life changing to leave. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's almost a necessity. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So now (laughs) you're leaving college and you're excited to go to Alaska and you're going with Bobby. Yeah. Right. So you get there and you're still in school, right? Yep. So going to school and you had a job. Yeah, but I, so I started with just like a part-time job um, at the college so I could meet people. And it was a great way to get my foot in the door, to meet people, to, yeah. So I I did that for a while. Um, It was really tough because Bobby and I were living off of basically no money. So we were in a new relationship, going through financial like struggle, I guess is what they call it. But we were just living paycheck to paycheck off of his tiny military paycheck. And um, we just kind of worked through that. But it took us a little while to get in our groove because it was so hard financially. So how long were you two together before you moved? Let me calculate my head. Um, like six, seven months. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so, so okay. <laughs> it happens I, so fast. I, I just curious how the, like how the conversation go. Like, was Bob like, I'm going to Alaska. Are you come with me? Or was I it like, was, ate him almost? Or was it like, it was like not even a question. It was like, okay, we're going to Alaska. Like, oh, so you guys were full fledged fallen. We were like, I was really naive when I was that age and I had imagined, you know, I was, I had fallen for a military guy. Well, the only thing military knew was our dad, which his military is much different than active duty. He was reserve or guard. And so he only had to go one weekend a week, weekend a month. And I kind of thought that that was going to be our life. No, active duty is so different. So I thought when he went off to basic training, he was just coming back and going to be in Tacoma. Not a big deal. Well, when he told me his assignment was for Alaska, I was like, oh. And he's like, so you're coming, right? I was like, yeah, I guess so. (laughs) So I moved my whole life there. So how was the transition in... Were you living with mom and dad at the time? No, I was at Central uh, going to college. Okay, so you're by yourself to being six months into a relationship, six or seven, yep. to full-on living yeah. with your boyfriend. I had a, a little bit of a transition because school was out and he was still in tech school. So I came home and lived with mom and dad for like a month or so, and it just worked. 
And then when he got moved to Alaska, that's when I went. So basically a, a whole quick transition. Did it affect your relationship at all? In the best way possible. So and, it brought you guys closer. Yeah. We were we started to grow up together. Mm. We had to figure out life together. We were new to it together. <laughs> okay, so we're at the point now. You're going to school and working part-time. Mm-hmm. And then you went into sales? Was no. that during, after you graduated? Uh, no. So I was going to school full-time, working part-time, and then I shifted that. I decided college was never for me. I finished. It took me a while, but I finished. But during this process, I learned that, like, I just want to work. I love to work. And so I got a full-time job, and I switched it to working or working full-time during the day and taking night classes at part-time. And so I started as a receptionist, and I worked my way up a company until I was the HR director and payroll specialist. And at that point, Bobby and I had bought our first investment, real estate investment, and my real estate agent recruited me to become a real estate agent. And so that's where my transition happened. So how are you introduced to buying real estate? Through a friend or? Good question. Bobby went on a long deployment uh, for almost nine months. And while he was gone, he researched basically how we can make money without him being in the military. Passive income. That was what he researched for nine months. And while he was gone, I moved us into a duplex and I really got to know the landlord and we both looked at each other one night and said, if this guy can be a landlord, we can be a landlord. (laughs) And we started shopping for houses the next week. Wow. (laughs) So, and we chose to buy a fourplex for our first house instead of the traditional single family home because we wanted passive income so that we didn't have to live the military life our whole life. That makes sense. Um, so how, where were you at financially when you said, okay, let's just go buy a floor flex to start <laughs> it off? Well, we had, this was three years into being in Alaska at this point, I think. And we, from day one, believed in saving everything we could. So in the military, you get this thing called BAH. It's a housing allowance. In Alaska, we had a really good chunk of money, but we found every way we could to spend as little as we could on housing so we could pocket more money. And we always had roommates or we would live in like the crappy part of town, whatever we had to do to build our savings. So we saved, but also we used our... Um, the VA loan to buy the fourplex. So it costs us no money to get into it. Okay. We spent zero dollars to buy that house. That's okay, crazy. I back it up. I spent we spent nine hundred dollars on a home inspection. And that is it. Nine hundred dollars. Yeah. So that's what it takes to get into real estate is nine hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, with the right tools, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right tools. Wow. That is that is nuts to think about. And so after that, month to month, was it you had to make a payment or was no. the fourplex just pretty much covering it? We lived in one of the apartments and the other three covered our mortgage and our utilities. We mm. lived mortgage free, essentially, because our tenants paid for everything. And then we took the larger unit, um, which was three bedrooms, and we rented out our other two bedrooms. So we were making money every month. <laughs> Okay, so so was that the point where you were like, I want to do real estate? Like, this is my calling? Or when did did that come? I never had that, like, this is my calling. Bobby and I always planned to buy another fourplex. We were saving up for that. That was our intention. We were going to use our what you call an FHA loan, which is a first-time homebuyer loan, and you only have to put 3.5% down. So we were saving up to be able to buy our next fourplex and move into that. During that saving period, I had climbed my way up through my quote-unquote corporate job, 
And my real estate agent that we used to buy the fourplex just randomly messaged me and said, hey, I'm looking for somebody who can run my real estate team. Would you be interested in interviewing for this position? One dinner meeting led to a job. And I never don't know that I would have found real estate without her guidance. Um, so I'm so super thankful for her to pull me into this career. So the, the first position was a leadership position. Yeah. And which is crazy to think about because we started out as a middle high schooler, introverted, and yeah. didn't want to leave the house, what, five, six years ago? Oh, gosh, over 10. <laughs> From the point where she offered you that job? Oh, offered me the job about eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at a lifespan, that is a really short amount of time yeah. to <laughs> go yeah. from that interviewed to getting sought out yeah. for a leadership position on, yeah. a, on a field where you really don't have experience. I had zero. I bought one house. <laughs> I, I didn't know anything. So, okay, so you get offered that job. Yep. But you were still in the corporate. No, nope. and- I quit that job for her. Okay. To, to run her team. So she, the only way I told her I would move um, into this career field if she matched my salary, she matched my salary and we jumped. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good gig. I know we've talked about this before, but just in case somebody happens to come on here and listen to this, talk a little bit about the corporate job. Yeah, that's tough. Um, I love that job. I worked as I started as a receptionist, and when I worked in the receptionist part, um, I worked inside of the sales team. I sat right next to them. I listened to them make their calls to their clients to sell what we sold, which was heavy equipment to the oil field um, in Alaska. And then we had a parts division and then we have a service um, division. So I started as just the receptionist. I knew nothing. And then I moved upstairs, which was a big deal to the admin department. And I was just your little file clerk, but I mean, still to this day, very eager to continue to learn. And I wanted to just learn everybody's position. So that's what I did up there. I learned everybody's position. I could be accounts payable, receivable, whatever you needed me. I was a girl that filled when everyone went on vacation, I would take over your job. Mm. So that led me to landing the HR um, director payroll specialist position. And Every year at this job, they did an annual review, which I think is super important. And I love that they did that. And my boss and I were pretty close. And I told him, like, okay, I've mastered this job. What's next for me? And he looked me dead in the eye and said, you and I both know this is the highest you could go in this job. Because I had told him six months prior that I wanted to be in the sales department. I was super passionate about it. I had learned all of our machines. I I knew what was going on. And I wanted to be the first saleswoman in our industry. I I wanted to do that for that company and for myself. And the CEO of that company did not believe that women could be in that position. And so that's when I kind of knew all that was happening Right at the same time job, same time I got offered the job for real estate. And it just seemed like it was a calling to leave. So I put in my notice and then I took the job. Yeah. How long ago was that? Uh, about eight. That was about eight years ago. Eight years ago. Yeah. It's just, that still just blows my mind that people are are I'm guessing they still are if that's happening you know within the last eight years that there's still that prejudice you know I, I thought we were over that really. yeah. <laughs> by that point I thought that was you know that we threw that out the window but I mean it's still 
definitely is yeah. around. And I was super naive. I didn't even really know that was a thing. And so I was so taken back when they're like, he won't allow a female in that position. And I was like, what? Like, no. That's, I'm more than capable. I've proven that. Yeah. Yeah, that one, that one gets me every time. Yeah. So that's when I knew that my, my uh, career at that company was over. To me, I mean, seeing the timing or listening to the timing, that seems like, you know, God's presence yeah. in there. He's just like, uh, here you go. Here's yeah. a better route for you. Yeah. Uh, which is yeah. awesome. You yeah. Know? So that was your calling. Yeah, I guess <laughs> there so. It is. <laughs> okay. So let's move into the, a little more of a business aspect. Okay. Um, so how did you start your own business? Um, and what was your mindset going into it? So the lady that recruited me to work for her, unfortunately, that was not, that didn't work out. She over-promised, under-delivered. Um, and so three months into it, I basically was forced with a choice. Either go big for my old job back or try to do this real estate thing on my own. And because of my loving and supporting husband, he encouraged me and gave me the confidence that I can figure it out on my own. And we had worked really hard on that savings account I talked about because we thought we were buying another fourplex. And we lived off that for a year while I figured out this job. So, so how did you, what, what did you, you get your degree in business or no? Yeah, business management and finance. Okay, so. Did that apply to the creation of your business or is it like, I'm just going to figure it out. Like I had to throw that out the window and figure it out. <laughs> Honestly, real estate is so different than your normal, like I'm going to start a business. So every concept I feel like I learned in college had to be thrown out the window. I mean, the normal, like you got to make money before you spend money. Like that was easy to understand, but writing a business plan yeah no you just have to I just had to dive in and figure it out I made a huge mess but we stumbled through it and we made it through um yeah so what was your first step to my business to your own you know um my very first step was like how am I going to convince people (laughs) that they should trust me and work with me And again, I still to this day struggle with some confidence. And so I was struggling through that to figure out how I could prove to them that they could trust me in their largest purchase. And just through talking with people on a very real level, they gained my trust quickly. And from there, it just, it was a slow burn to get to where we are today, but I just, Took it one step at a time, and I grinded it out for a long time. Yeah, and I I feel like transparency and honesty is something that's kind of going away. Yeah, almost like used to be, you give someone your word, and it's going to happen. You know, I yeah. don't I don't see that anymore. I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions in the world and twisting of numbers to make something look better than the other. Yeah, and everything. You know, not yep. just, I mean, I'm talking politics, job, all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's just nuts to, yeah. you know, obviously people still value that. Yeah. You know? So that's a, a really big takeaway for me, you know, yeah. being transparent with people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you started to establish your business. And then one day we said, let's come back to Washington. (laughs) Yeah. So our plan, we weren't really sure what we were doing. So like we always talk about God's timing is just, wow. Um, While the transition from what I thought was going to be a new career to starting my own business, at the same time, my husband was transitioning out of the military, which was our steady paycheck. And so he just grabbed a quick job so that we could kind of just 
basically buy groceries. Because again, we were living in this fourplex. We didn't have a lot of expenses. I didn't really, we didn't spend anything every month. So it was really easy to live. But as I was building my business, I first built it based off of the, I just wanted to find people, but I didn't want to help them actually go through the home buying process. And I know this sounds probably confusing, but I just wanted, I was really good at just introducing myself to people, getting them interested in real estate. And then I just wanted to pass them to somebody else to finish the job. And so that's why I started. And, but I found myself doing that with everybody in Washington. And one day, Bobby and I were sitting down and I was talking about how I really didn't want to miss my little brother, you, <laughs> your high school career, because I had missed your whole growing up and we didn't have a chance to have a relationship. And I said, I feel like I can't miss his high school career. I'm not sure why, but I just, I feel really called to just be there. And so... We thought, okay, well, what does it look like? What does it look like if we move back? Um, we'll just rent out the fourplex, not a big deal. And then we'll just hang out at one of our parents until we figure it out. But all of my business I was building was in Washington anyways. So instead of passing them to another agent to finish the job, I started thinking, well, what if I just finish the job? I can do it. Mm -hmm. And so... That's when we said, okay, this model can be executed all the way through and it can be a beautiful thing. So we just decided, pack up our stuff and let's go. Yeah, and that sounds like that was a long road trip. <laughs> it was a long road trip. <laughs> Three straight days, I think, of mm. just pure driving. And yeah. I'm sure Bobby drove. Nice. He drove the whole time. Oh, <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I slept a lot. <laughs> okay, so getting into quote unquote finishing the job. Yeah. <laughs> how did how did that transition? Like I mean, how did you just like get into that? Like was it like because you were working with um who is that? What is that company called? Keller Williams. Keller Williams. I'm still with them today. Okay, okay. So I'm still with, I've been with them since day one, since I got licensed, and I've never strayed. Um, I think that kind of shows my loyalty to people and things. But I just basically, all these people that I was talking with about real estate, I, instead of saying, okay, now so and so is going to start helping you, it was like, okay, you ready? Let's go look at this house. So mm. I just started finishing the next steps, which was showing the homes and writing contracts and getting them to closing. And it was just a natural process. Bobby has probably the biggest record ever in real estate in Washington. We got him licensed. And the next day I had a client under contract because I had been working all these people in, up until our move to Washington. And so we had people instantly in contract and we were off and running. And it was all smooth sailing from there. <laughs> Two no. bumps on the road. But yeah. for the most part, that's where it really took off. That's awesome though. That, that kind of seems like a smoother transition than saying, oh, here's Joe Bo. You don't even know anymore. You know? Yeah. That's kind of seems better for the person. Absolutely. And that's why I think it started to explode because what I was had started – in the beginning, it was so good, but then I could never finish the whole process. And people get lost along a process when you pass people or whatever. And so the fact that Bobby and I got to keep our clients with the two of us, that's when it just started to really expand and grow. Yeah. And then really, at least to me, it seems like it's a community-based, you know, business. Yeah. I mean, obviously you expand out and go places, but like, I feel like you're now the one of the businesses in Raymond, you know, yeah. you're one of the, when people say name a business in Raymond, Tyler Home Group's up there. Yeah. Which is cool, you know? Yeah. Born here and then come yeah. back. It's just like a Cinderella story. Yeah. And when we moved back to Washington, we didn't come back to Raymond. We lived in Rainier, Washington for a while where Bobby graduated 
And I was watching the Raymond real estate market and real estate's weird because anybody can really do it. But uh, so that means like the quality of service that you get from every agent is different. And I was watching people that I knew and loved get the worst service in real estate that I've ever seen. And I told Bobby, I said, I can't continue to watch this. I can't continue to watch the people that I know and love get that poor of service when I know the service they deserve is within me. And I'm like, I can do this. So we decided to move from Rainier to Raymond. That's cool. You know, that's that attest to you as a person. Yeah. The qualities you have and that at the end of the day, looking out for others. Yeah. You know, loved ones or not, you're, you know, you're doing your very best for every client that comes across your board. Yeah. Which is a rare, you know, and, uh, and it pays off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's not easy to run a business. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a lot of time. You yeah. Know, or, yeah. Which I can definitely attest for. I've yeah. seen that firsthand, man. Um, so personally, mentally, physically, what, what was the biggest challenge moving back to, to the, to the hometown or at least home state? <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of the insecurities from middle school, high school sprung right back up because most of the people I went to school with or knew here, they never left. So their circles stayed the same. It's kind of funny to watch still right. today. Um, and not that that's a bad thing. It just moving back, I thought maybe, oh, I could just jump right back in. But I was such a different person that that didn't happen. And it, and it won't happen. You know, I'm, I'm such a different person. And um, so that was a big challenge for me to overcome that it's okay that you're not invited to do things. It's okay that you don't connect with these people. And that took me years of being here to be okay with that. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's something a lot of people need to hear, you know? Um, but did, did you try to reconnect at all when you came back? Was it like, did I try to get back in the click group? Or was it I like... kept my guard up. I didn't really want to get back into any clicks. That's I had removed myself and, and from that. Um, and the life I lived in Anchorage was not like that. And I, and I didn't want to go back to that. So though, yes, maybe I put some effort. I didn't put my all into it because it's not what I wanted. Yeah. At the end of the day, you you know you got to do what's best for you and your family and. You know, obviously you were doing enough for others at the yeah. time. But. Yeah. And it was hard. You know, when you build a business, like every ounce of your energy and time goes into that. And that's where I was at when I moved back as I was building something from ground up. And so all of my time and energy went to my business. And so. Did, did that affect you physically? Did you start feeling drained after, you know, working full 12, 14 hour days or. Oh it... yeah. <laughs> yeah. It kind of was go in cycles, like up and down. Um, you get really hyped and excited because business is good and you're just riding that high for quite some time. And then finally your body releases and it just, I just kind of crashed. Um, I'd say I'm still kind of riding through that. I'm still, it's still a challenge today. It's still something I think I will always challenge with. I, as I still continue to be a business owner. Was there anything you did to like escape for a moment? Was what was your, what was the stress reliever? You know, cause it, it's got, a, I know there's a lot of stress in yeah. owning a business and in real estate in general, you know, just being an agent at the end of the day. Yeah. I, um, didn't really learn like, coping mechanisms until about three years ago, which was I need to pour my full self into something else. And that's when we really started to expand our rental portfolio. And that's where I call it a hobby because it's what I can do when I'm not working and I get to pour my energy into something that's building our future 
And that's important to me. So you're, so you're doing something for yourself. Yeah. And that kind of brings you happiness yeah. and relieves stress and yeah. things like that. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. And I, I never thought of, you know, something like that. Like the way my mind works is, I guess it's kind of like that, but I jump into the physical, like, because right after a workout, I'm just floating, you know, I'm the high, I'm as high as I can be. That's, that's where I'm at my happiest and, you know, most stress-free is right after a workout, you get done. It was really hard, you know, most like you feel like almost you wanted to quit at one point in it and I get done and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did that. Yeah. You know, yes. but at the end of the day, you're striving to work on your body, which works on your future, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of the same yeah. related to right yeah. there. Um, Where do we want to go with this? Well, and most recently, like I've really, really learned how to check out and refill my cup by fully disconnecting from everything. And I couldn't do, couldn't say I could do that even a year ago. Like this has been the last seven months that I have really trained myself to like not look at my phone 24 seven to check out, go out in my garden or go to our property and just be with nature. And that has really calm my soul okay so i'm gonna need some secrets on this how to <laughs> how to actually do this you know this might be groundbreaking stuff <laughs> we might be on cnn fox tomorrow <laughs> you never know so you say nature was the biggest factor recently yeah like over the last seven months yeah it is um it pulled me closer to god and it pulled me to complete peace and that I can find it in the middle of the woods, in the middle of a pasture, it, my hands deep in dirt. It doesn't matter as long as I'm in nature. That's awesome. Wow. Never thought about that. Because a lot of times when I'm by myself or alone, my mind is just going, you know, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm stressing. When I'm not necessarily doing something quote unquote productive for myself or others mm -hmm. is when I'm like, I should be, I should be grinding, you know, yeah. I should be doing something right now. Uh -huh. And that's why it's hard for me to let off stress on something that's not productive, which is, I mean, I'm guessing that's somewhat similar to you. Cause you said to get your hands ready, you probably got a garden going and yeah. things like that. But if I don't have something to focus on, I am, I'm like, I'm wasting time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish the day was 28 hours long, but yeah. it's not. I only have 24 and I'm trying to squeeze everything in there. And Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, it's a tough one to be able to just kind of mellow out for a while. Yeah. You know? It takes practice. It takes a lot of practice, but I, like you touched on like the garden, like I can mentally fully check out because I'm just working with my hands and it doesn't take a lot of thought and I can just, I can just be, I'm working towards something though, which is, feels that other cup, you know, of like productivity. It makes me feel good. But I've also told myself that gardening is not let's run to the finish line. It's to slow down, enjoy the process. Things take time to grow to build it doesn't need to be rush 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 get this done so if you can maybe find yourself a project or something that you can just say like there's no time limit on this maybe it would help yeah i because <laughs> that kind of defines me is i'm like i'm trying to get there as fast as possible <laughs> yeah. the most time efficient way yeah 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 that's a, that's a good thing to think about you know that's, that's a it's a good takeaway for me, for sure. Um, so you've been here for a couple of years, and then COVID nineteen happens. Oh, the yeah. pandemic, yes, we had to go there. Um, so how did it affect you personally, mentally? COVID nineteen. Um, I can remember like <laughs> this, like it was yesterday. We. 
we're just starting to really grow our little small real estate team. And we were told, you know, things were shutting down. We were not essential. We could not work. And I remember sitting in our very first house in our town, a small little house up in my attic. And I just looked at Bobby and said, what are we going to do? Like, you know, we had no idea what the future held. We didn't know anything. So we just, I just put my head down. I'm not even kidding you. And I just started working 24 hours a day because I didn't know what was about to happen. And I was so feared that I financially wasn't going to be able to be okay. So I just like not double down. I like triple down on work, anything I could do. Three days later, we were deemed essential. And that's when real estate exploded. And COVID-19 for me was exhausting. Real estate was unbearably busy. And I was gone from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day of the week during COVID. It was probably not everyone else's experience, but that was mine and my husband's and my team's. And we were exhausted. It was fun at first because it was so busy and exciting. But six months in, it was old news. And it was really tiresome. So I'm thankful it's over. (laughs) Did that affect you and Bobby's relationship at all? Are we working seven to nine? Yeah, we. I would say we. I mean, we. We are very strong, and I'm very thankful for our relationship. But we definitely didn't get to connect on the level we like to connect. So, because it was just fight or flight mode every single day, um, and so we. That's why we've been since COVID is kind of over, quote unquote. Um, have really poured into slowing down and not running at 120 miles an hour all the time. And so that we can focus on us and make sure that we're putting the energy where we want to, which is within each other. So that's probably your biggest takeaway from the pandemic was just slow down. Yes. And not, <laughs> not kill yourself. And- yeah. Because at the end of the day, though it was fun, I don't even, I don't think I did anything really for fun. We traveled a little bit during that time, which was great. And that's when we got to reconnect with each other. And I'm super thankful for those times. But other than that, it was kind of crazy. <laughs> did you learn anything about yourself during those times or like about um, the world or? Anything like that? I, as I mentioned, like, a few times, I am really naive, and I I still am. And so Bobby has to, like, open my eyes up to what's really happening. And um, I can just say that through COVID, I just became very disappointed in our state and our country um, because of the lack of transparency. And I just... Yeah, just disappointed. Yeah, That's... and I, I think most people that keep up can't agree with that. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, we don't care what the truth is. Yeah. We just want to know what it is. Yeah, yeah. And you couldn't find it easily. Um, and you still can't. And you, yeah, still, yeah, right. It's... You, you still don't know. Yeah, there's... Yeah. So that that's the biggest thing that I learned is, to you can't trust everything you see or hear and that was you know just disheartening that you can't yeah that's that's it's definitely really sad that we've come to that yeah and yeah being a young adult growing up through that it's if you don't have your eyes open you're going to get misled yeah at the end of the day and so and the problem is is to actually find something credible, it takes so much time that most people don't have that. Yeah, so much time. Yep. And you have to weed through everything to actually get to the facts. One thing that I am 
when I want to do research on something, a topic or anything, is I'm looking for independent journalists. And then I look at who that journalist is and who's funding them. Because yeah. at the end of the day, I don't know what it is about people, but they're drawn to money and power. Yeah. That's, I mean, they look back at history. That's the way it is. Yep. So you tells a lot by who's funding you. Yep. And that that's one thing. If I'm gonna wanna get true information, I'm gonna go to somebody independent. And I'm gonna see who's funding them. Yep. Are they funded by the public? You know, they, they're for the people. You know. Yeah. Yep. I want to learn who they are. Yep. And I think podcasts, which is one of the reasons I'm got into this, is like they just have people come on and talk. Yeah, you know, just be honest with people about what they found and what they've heard, which is things that what they found is not true. Yeah. So it's like it's kind of cool. The community is growing, and I wanted to be a part of that. So. Yeah. So we're caught up. It's yeah. 2023. Um, so what are your dreams and aspirations for the next 10 years? My dream is to keep impacting our small community as much as I possibly can to continue to really slow down, enjoy life instead of run at 120 miles an hour all the time and to make sure that I'm making an impact on people and spending quality time with family because you're never promised tomorrow. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, wow. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to touch on something a little bit before we ended. Um, so we've, I don't know how it's happened, but we've found our faith at almost the same time, which yeah. is bizarre. Yeah. You know? It's just crazy to me how that actually happened. So um, how and when did your faith in Christianity come into play? and How has it affected you? Um, when did it? So it, I will say, I guess, surrendered myself like seven months ago and my whole my world around me was I was lost I didn't know what I was living for anymore I was just grinding all the time and I just couldn't tell you why I was working so hard and something had to change and that's when I feel like I was given several signs from God um leading up to the seven months of when I really like surrendered myself and said, I'm going to learn about you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to, you know, just change my life for you. Um, but leading up to that, we just, Bobby and I both had a lot of signs and we would talk about it a lot. And then the signs became clearer and clearer. And that's when I, that's when I knew it was, it was time. So you would say the more you talked about it, the more signs you begin to see. Yeah. Is it because you were looking for the signs or they were just really prominent? You know, they just were thrown out your face. I'd say they were really prominent. They were literally thrown in our face. Okay. Yeah. Because I know, I felt, you know, I gave myself up about seven months ago. Yeah. Coincidentally. Yeah. You know, coincidentally. Air quotes. Yeah. Um, and I started looking for them. You know, I, I was not just like, okay, I'm going to go to church on Sundays. Like, you know, yeah. the, the almost fake Christians that are out there nowadays. Yeah. And so I began to pray. And the more I prayed, the more I would look for it in every day. And I would see it every day. You know, yeah. I would see, for me, it was like the way things would work out. Like the timing on things, I'm like, that just can't be a coincidence. Yeah. Like, what if you hit traffic one day and you didn't, like, yeah. th things just seem to be falling into place. Yeah. 
and then I was finally able to openly tell people, which I would never do before. Same. Which I was, you know, it, that just kind of happened. <laughs> <laughs> you start cool. to feel so confident in your relationship with him that you're like, okay. Yeah. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to tell you this anymore or talk about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And the more I pray and the more I, you know, begin to read the Bible and that sort of thing, the more, you know, relaxed I become yes. and clear headed. Yeah. Um, so have you had any experiences or anything where it was like, like God touched you and he showed you something like, I don't know how to explain it, like some sort of experience with him. Um, I mean, he's given me super like clear signs on something that I should be working towards, but I don't have, I don't know what the end of this is. And I can give you an example. Um, we have a farm and this farm has morphed over the last, I don't know, year and a half or so. Um, we you know, we first just thought we were buying land to build on, you know, and then we had a coincidence where the driveway shares uh, with the field we bought and a house. And the day we signed the contract to buy the land, the owner of that land said, would you ever be interested in owning the home? And I said, absolutely. Like, if that opportunity ever came, we would jump right on it. We signed the contract with that owner that morning. That night, that homeowner of that house died. And obviously, we now own that house. And so we thought, okay, there's no clear sign to us that we need to own this home. And then after that, our dad came to us and said, can I live there? And we were both taken back. Like, why, <laughs> why do you want to live there? You have a beautiful home. And anyway, so now he lives there. And then this year we had an opportunity of Bobby and I love fourplexes, right? That was our first house. We love fourplexes. And a wonderful opportunity came up this year for us to buy a fourplex and it was around January and it, when we did all the calculations, it was going to cost $125,000 for us to buy this fourplex. And some reason, Bobby and I both came home that night and said, this doesn't feel right. We're not supposed to buy this. We don't know why. And we both were like, we're crazy. No, sleep on it. Like, we, this, we love multifamilies. Like, we are buying this property. We woke up in the morning, still feel the same way. It's not supposed to be. So we tell them, you know, we're going to pass on this home. Two days later, the property right across from the farm goes on the market for $125,000. No, you just can't make this up. No. So we now own that property. That is bizarre. I didn't know that was the same exact price. Same price. And that is why we don't know what his plan is, but he continues to show that that's the path I'm supposed to be on. That so we're is, riding it. We don't know what it looks like. That is unbelievable. Yeah. So that whole piece out there is something that I I don't know how to explain to people other than it's God's. I, I don't know. And that's, a, I mean, maybe that was the place you needed to relieve your stress. And that's where I go. I have a little spot. It's mine. And that's where I disconnect from the world. It's, that's just... That's amazing. Yeah. So that's how he has really showed me that I need to be on his road. Yeah. <laughs> I I can't even believe that. I'm I'm shook over here. Yeah. Um 
Have you had any personal, like, where you were like, you're talking to him, like you could feel him in the room, or he takes over your emotions, or? Um, I can't recall anything specifically, no. I'm sure it has, but right now, I can't think of a moment to share. Okay. Well, I think that was a pretty good show. (laughs) (laughs) Did I answer all your questions? That was it. That's all I have. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, that was awesome. All right. All right. That's it. Peace Uh, out. Peace (laughs) out. Bye.